hello hello everyone welcome to the holding space (laughs) we've tried recording this intro too many times now it's been a fail every time (laughs) well may i wouldn't say it's a fail i say that we are learning and starting over and adding on but before we get into that (laughs) <laughs> I'm your host, Maddie Mariposa, and I'm here with your co-host, Marjolin Perdomo Santos. And today, well, and always, you're listening to The Holding Space. Welcome to The Holding Space, friends. Um, what I like to say is that there's no such thing as failure. Mm, that's so mm-hmm. third grade teacher of you. Um, I'm so I glad. I am a teacher. It's that's true. Things. No, a teacher of, of, of many crafts, of many of things. Of the heart. Uh, okay. <laughs> Literally, no one, any artist of the heart, like okay. Um. Oh. Um. <laughs> Today we're talking about giving um, artistic projects and ventures a second chance, um, which is something that I think any artist or art maker of any form of art um, probably knows a lot about and has ex- a lot of experience about. Um, But before we get into sort of the topic at hand, I really want to establish for the listeners where we're coming from. Um, So May, if you would, I would love to hear about the beginnings and the origins of your journey. When did you start uh, participating in art or performance or uh, art making in any form? Uh, And what was that like for you as as a younger artist? I feel like this is a little bit of a callback because episode one, I mentioned this, but my first official stage debut, I believe, was The Nutcracker in pre-K. Yes, like the ballet, but it wasn't a ballet. It was like staged in a church because like my pre-K was in a church building. Um, But yeah, I, but even before that, like I would love to sing and dance. And my mom was obsessed with recording me singing and dancing on the like VHS uh, camera. And, but yeah, but like, I think as long as I can remember, I know that sounds so cheesy, but as long as as I can remember, I've been sort of a very imaginative and very like playful and like performative child. Was there ever a point in your childhood where you were just, like, super aware of how creative you were being? Or was it so, like, oh, this is just, like, how Miley is that, like, no one really... It wasn't, like, there was no, like, one moment to look back on. Um, I think... I, I think a little bit of both because I just always have been, like... That's just always what my mom would do. She would, like, always have me, you know, like, stand there and, like, sing one of my little songs or whatever. But, like, one of my main... Like, I do have a core memory of knowing, like, this is what I wanted to do. And I was sitting... It was... I think I was in the second grade when I auditioned for the first time ever for something and got rejected. Womp womp. But I remember, like, later on that year, the musical... Not the one that I had auditioned for. Anyway, there was a musical going on at school and I was sitting and watching it. And I just thought, 
oh my goodness, these kids like had to learn all these lines and they're just up there like telling the story. Like I just thought it was so incredible that they were doing that. And I remember thinking like, I want to do that. So yeah. So yeah, I have like that core memory of like just seeing a play and being like, I want to do that too. I thought the story when you initially told it about auditioning, the reason why I made that face was because I thought it was going to be the one, um, the one with the nutcracker. And so I was like, oh, okay, what a beautiful first story. And then you were like, no. And then I was rejected. I was like, oh, this is not the same story. Nutcracker, what's funny about the nutcracker, actually, this probably answers your your question even better. I, when I was in pre-K, I was introduced to the story of the nutcracker and I was so obsessed. Like, let's talk about hyperfixation. (laughs) <laughs> that the teachers for like Christmas time were like, she loves this play so much, we're gonna put it on. Like we literally, they they, cho- they chose that show, that story, for me because they they knew how obsessed I was, and they casted me as the, as the lead, which is kind of cute. Um, so yeah, there are pictures, and um, I love it. It was it was a great time, but that was a successful one. And then later on yeah. in the second grade, I auditioned for Annie and did not get it. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because then you ended up working um, as the high school intern for Annie, like way, way later down the line. Come on, um, come on now, year. shout out to the Broadway League. Yeah, so that's such a funny um, full circle moment. But it's also interesting that like that story about you in the Nutcracker, like your passion for something and a story and like for performance kind of inspired um, or did it directly inspire, um, excuse me, the people around you, including the adults. So that's really, I love that. Um, and I love the story about like <laughs> auditioning for Annie and not getting it, but then end up working for the Broadway production of Annie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's really beautiful. Um, I think similarly, like this is also such a, um, you know, talking to Jimmy Fallon answer, but like, I've also been, like, creating art my entire life and, like, not really even knowing that I was, like, being sort of extra about it or, like, taking so many different um, opportunities to create. Like, so my family had a, um, one of those, like, I think if you grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, any family who was lucky enough to get their hands on it were obsessed with video recordings because they were such a new technology. And, like, Mm -hmm. for the first time, it was accessible for people to, like, be able to record their family. Um, And so it was a big thing for kids that age. And there's so many, like, pictures from, like, disposable cameras and, like, videos from, like, that kind of thing. But I remember when we... Our first digital camera in the house... Um, or not digital, it was, um, on cassettes. It was, like, a yes. video recorder, like, on, like, those little, like, high eight, uh, cassettes. And I, I, so, like, there was no computer, like, program or anything. Like, it was just, like, I would grab that camera and then, like, set it up around the house and then, like, have to, in real life, like, record story shot by shot. So I would have to, like set up the shot, and then I would record myself doing a line. By the way, this is all improv. I didn't make up a script. I'm making this story up as I go along, so the characters keep getting introduced, and I have to keep oh them straight in my head. And then I would... So I would flip the camera, and then I would do a costume change and do the next line, and do that over and over again until I had some sort of story. And I remember some of them vaguely, like, they're not good. One of them was, like, me 
playing all these characters and one of the characters like tripped and fell in front of their locker which by the way like so child watching tv (laughs) like to put myself in like a high school when i was like a child but like i tripped in front of my locker and like had to have a cane which was my mom's cane that i used as a prop and looking back i think of that specific story a lot because even though it was relatively bad I shot a scene with three different characters and a flashback without any editing. It just, a like, just vibes. Please. Yeah, I had the actual accident where I ended up twisting my ankle in the, in the thing. <laughs> and that tape is gone. I have no clue. I digitized a bunch of tapes, and that was not one of them that I found. But I remember very clearly. And I think, looking back, that's one of the things that I... I point to to be like oh this was like active art making where like I kind of stumbled into performing by mistake also through like church um (laughs) (laughs) we had an um a uh uh we had a children's like theater program in our church before they cut the funding which was this whole other thing that they cut like the kids program first but uh that was my introduction to theater, and I really loved it. Like, it was also my introduction to puppetry, and I was, like, really obsessed with puppets as a kid because of that. Because, like, my first play, I was, like, playing all these different roles, including a narrator that was a puppet. Um, and I was, like, really good at the puppetry um, for a kid, you know what I mean? Like, I took it seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's it's easy to go up there and kind of just like be cute with a puppet because like i would mm-hmm. not have to do a lot i was a kid but like at the time i was a person you know what i mean like i yeah. wasn't a kid in my head i was like i'm a puppeteer and i'm a wow. performer and so like i remember <laughs> taking the whole performance really seriously and there's these really embarrassing videos of me that i do have of me like reading the bible and dancing to like worship songs in this play i I hope every single worship dance i've ever done is like burnt in a fire i never want to see one ever again (laughs) but that was like yours is really cute oh yeah yeah yeah. like i can't stand it i think it's tacky i think it's like the worst thing anyone can ever do but i'm sure you did it in like a really adorable way jesus Oh my god but you're so no. you're such a good performer that's what i mean i get it no it's like i i feel the same way about my own where i'm like wow this is so tragic that this is like <laughs> one of my earliest memories but it is something to point back to i think my first play was also in a church like i played like joseph or something i don't know i definitely wasn't jesus jesus went to the white kid but that's not the Ooh. point um it's <laughs> not the point it's neither here nor there the point is, I think from both of our stories, what I can take away is that, like, from our very early ages, like, we were trying to, like, be, use our creative energies and, like, perform for other people or, like, create for ourselves. And I think that's really beautiful. And I don't remember back then, like, feeling any type of hesitation that like something I think what was really beautiful about childhood me is that like I was so ignorant in how I was coming off and like that wasn't even a concern of mine it got bullied Mm -hmm. into me eventually and we'll get into that Mm -hmm. but like at first I had this like gorgeous like sort of like overzealousness in Mm -hmm. anything I did like I was like not afraid to post videos of me singing on youtube until like 
kids found it at school. And then I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. I shouldn't sing in public. And that was like a whole thing that I learned that I am still unlearning now. But at one point I was really unashamed of like anything I did, whether it be singing or acting or video creating or editing. And like that made me the target of a lot of cruelty as a young person because I think people were really upset that like I refused to be like embarrassed by anything I did Mm -hmm. and looking back I think objectively I was an embarrassing kid but I think (laughs) that that's kind of beautiful and I'm trying to get back to that embarrassingness like I literally in middle school like this is like you're too old to not have a like some sort of social compass I was like editing videos of my friends and I like at a time where like making TikToks wasn't a thing. It wasn't cool mm-hmm. to like edit compilations of you you living your life. Like that's not a no. thing. And so I and like I was also like making like I don't know, like fun edits. Like, ooh, what if my friends and I were Power Rangers? Like things like that that like looking back I'm like I see why people bullied you in middle school, but oh, no. but it was so unironic i was just like unironically making anything i wanted and posting it publicly and what made me the target of people really was like people like i remember kids that i wasn't necessarily friends with would want to be in my videos because they thought it was cool but back then it was also like uncool to do it so like no one else was doing it but they wanted to be a part of it because it was interesting I guess what I'm saying is, like, it's so beautiful. I think the creativity of a child is so beautiful because it's, like, untouched by, like, the reception of it. Like, you do not th- like you do not think that you're going to go into the living room and dance with your cousins or siblings and people are going to, like, hate your little, like, two-step to Miley Cyrus. Like, you're yeah. like, this eats. This is amazing. This is the yeah. best thing anyone's ever done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I often, I think about that so much. I'm like, I just, I always say this, like, I just want to get back to that. Like, they're, they're not once, I can't think of a one time where I, like, took on a performance, and I'm talking about when I was younger, and, and was like, oh, I need to, like, perfect this, and I need to make, make sure that it's, like, just right, and that, like, this person thinks this of it, like, I just knew it was good. I was like, oh, come on now. I'm going to give the performance of my life. Like, yeah. And so, and now, like, that's all, that's all, that's the only way I approach art, which is, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that later on. But I think there is something really beautiful about that. Um, Kids just don't have that, um, I guess we could call it a filter. Yeah. Of like what's good or what's bad or like, yes, kids, you know, if we talk about like child psychology or whatever, like they look for approval. But like there's something about like the creative part of it. Like they're they're truly not looking to be like affirmed. They're just like, this is good and I want you to enjoy it with me. You know, right. It's like when a kid like when a really young kid like like um, makes some sort of painting or or drawing. Right. Like it's like, mm-hmm. yes, like sometimes kids create like amazing art but typically it is just a bunch of lines and squiggles and color but it's really beautiful because it's really like unfiltered Mm -hmm. creativity on the page and Mm -hmm. I remember like when I first introduced painting to 
the toddler in my family who at the time I think was like two, um, he loved it. And it, and it wasn't about like what it looked like. It was just like, look, I put paint on this paper. Isn't that pretty? Like, I'm so excited about this. And it reminded me of like, just like, just create, like, it's not that serious. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like never serious. And that's kind of what I hate about like, uh, that's kind of what I hate about like performing now that everything is mm. so serious. Like the craft of acting, like it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Right? I do think that there is sort of this cliche uh, and, you know, I've, I've met the kind of person i think it must be because we live in a society that doesn't like um that doesn't value artists as like a real job or something Mm -hmm. but there's this like overcompensation of like pretentiousness that certain um art makers can have about their art that's like a little bit frustrating because it's like it really you don't have to do this like and i mean that for me too i i mean that like from like a reflective place because like Right now, um, I'm working on my birthday photo shoot, mm-hmm. and that's something I do every year, and it's something that I get to create this like creative time capsule for myself. Like, what was the lesson that I was trying to learn around this time, or take it take with me into my new age? And I can get really in my head about it and overthink it, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm finally like getting out of that and crawling out of it. But like even myself, I think I can be really like pretentious and like just this is desire of like well if i'm doing this it has to be good or it has to be something i look back on and like am proud of but like also when i look back on other projects what i remember more is like what was happening around the time that i did it more than it however it came out and usually it came out nothing like i was trying to make but like that's all a part of the process and so it's just harder to be in it, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that, like, while you're making art now, that you can get to a place where you're just making it and then stepping back and looking at it? Or do you think you're always going to be, like, psychoanalyzing how it's going to turn out while you're doing it? Um, uh, I think that... I think there, this like idea that art has to be like, um, has to live up to a standard or something. We can't turn away from it anymore. Like we can't like unsee it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like I always say like, oh, I want to go to like that time before when I used to, you know, uh, when I was a kid and like I would just do things for fun. There is that. There is no stepping back to that. Like we literally and physically can't, and like I think even psychologically we can't. Why? Because we just live in a world where like things have to be, you know, monetized and what have you. Um, so in the like, I do. I don't think that. I think there's a, a time and a place, right? Like, I think I am starting to learn and 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 give myself the freedom to do things that are just for fun and and I don't need and I take the pressure off of like criticizing myself about it like for example like I do I practice morning pages now so like it's just me free writing like nonstop for three pages um and that's something that's like freed me up to be like whatever whatever I write is whatever 
Um, and so, yes, I think there are like certain things that I can do, but I think to some level, like I'm, I'm, I think especially the important projects, quote unquote, like I'm always going to be sort of psychoanalyzing, like how it could be better. However, yeah. I will say it, I've noticed when I let myself release something, um, and we're going to talk about this project, I think later on, but like once I, and like other projects too, that I've done, once I like put it out there and I'm like, this, this is done. I, there is something like spiritual about it where I'm like, I literally can't change this anymore. Like I could, like I could go back and like recraft yeah. it, but I'm like, no, this is out of my hands. Like it is what it is. And there's no, like, what's the point of me like ruminating over like, how could I make it better or how could I change it? Because it just is the entity that it needs to be. Yeah. And I think what, and I think that is beautiful. Like, I think that's sort of the goal is like to know when to step away is always going to be a difficult you know, a job for any artist, um, like a painter may not ever think a piece is finished and like a writer may never think a script is good enough, but like there is power in knowing when to walk away from something and be like, okay, this is a completed piece of work. And like, I could revisit it and revamp it and reboot it, but like, this is what it is right now. Um, but I think what stops us from that that moment of stepping away and taking our hands off is and I, I feel like we've talked about yeah. this um and we're going to talk about it even further but this feeling of not wanting something that you are passionate about and care about to fail um mm-hmm. and I think my great friend who has been on the podcast who we both know um Ellie has made a point of uh trying to drill into my head that like you're never failing when you're art making, but that's something I would like to discover and explore today. So do you, just to start off, do you think that art making is ever truly a failure? Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) Isn't that the age old question? Uh, Let me think about this. Cause I, I think, I do think, like, maybe I'm harsh and maybe I'm just, like, you know, hard on myself and so I'm hard on other people or, like, I'm I'm afraid people will be hard on me so I'm harder on myself and everyone around me. But, like, I do think that you can fail while art making. I don't, mm-hmm. I think that, obviously, every time you do fail, you learn something and you grow as an artist. And I don't think as an artist any one project or outcome defines whether or not you've failed as an artist but I do think projects can fail and I think that there's I don't know I guess lately I've just been finding power in like being like no this project failed there is no positive Mm -hmm. spin Mm -hmm. like this project failed and whether or not I move on from it with you know gaining something is lovely for me as an artist and I don't think I'm a failure but I think sort of that's the disconnect that I'm trying to create like okay if I create art and it fails and I feel like yes this was a failure that this has nothing to do with like me as an artist moving forward and that's just about that project but I think for me like that means that I have to allow myself to be like no this failed like without like oh, this isn't really a failure because this happened because of it. It's like, yeah, that's beautiful and amazing. And as an artist, I did not fail, you know, in the long run. But I think you can create pieces of art that fail. And that's 
but I also think that's your own rubric. Like, what is failure? Is failure like, oh, no one ever got to see it. Oh, no one ever got to see the original uh, vision. Oh, um, I did this thing when I really should have done that thing, but it's too late. People already saw it. Like, whatever failure is, or, oh, no one ever saw this, um, and that sucks. Um, you know, whatever that is. And I think in theater, you know, specifically that there's this um, desire to figure out, like, what's more important. Like, is it the rehearsal process or is it the show, like, Mm -hmm. um, that people end up seeing? Like, and I think with all forms of art, like, there is a little bit of that um, Mm -hmm. sort of wonder, like, what's more important, the process of making the art or how the art is received and how it turns out. Um, And I think any of... I personally think that any of those stages can fail. Um, and if they do, it's sort of a matter of like, okay, what happens after this? But I think for me, I have to accept and mourn that something failed and and not try to like make it a positive immediately. Yeah. I think you sort of just said what I was thinking. And, and, and I will add that like, cause my, cause my response is like, yes. Like, that was my uh, kind of gut reaction. I was like, yes, like, art can be a failure. But that doesn't, that that's not to be conflated with, like, a failed artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, this is part of the, like, letting go of the perfectionism, letting go of the, like, this needs to be up to a standard. Is like, we have to accept and name things as a failure. Um yeah like I think that's pretty much it like that's kind of what I wanted to add that it's like you're not a fail like you're not a failure as an artist you're not like you suck and you can't do anything like it's not about that and nobody's trying to be a Debbie Downer and nobody's being a Debbie Downer by saying that like a that a project itself failed it's um again to be cheesy like it kind of has to be a failure like you have to call it that to like quote unquote learn from it you know um because how else are you going to make sure that the next project is a success? Yeah. If you don't know what a failure looks like. Yeah, and I think, like, making peace with a project failing is a part of, like, knowing when to step away. Like, knowing when, okay, like, this is actually done and there's nothing I can do to mm-hmm. save this. Like, there is no more problem solving. Like, this is over and it and it failed. And, yeah, I think people are, like, apprehensive about calling something a failure because I think it sort of represents that like something doesn't have any value anymore but i think mm-hmm. a project that fails doesn't necessarily lose value its value just becomes different and it's not the same sort of value of if it had succeeded and i think that's the difference between it being a failure or a success because it's like yes i do still think that you take things away from failures and yes i do still think that like projects that have failed belong in the like body of work of you as an Mm -hmm. artist like I don't think you can erase away the failed projects or re you know repurpose them as like secret victories because even if in the long run that is true in a roundabout way I think there is real value in like trying and not succeeding like I think as everyone says like you learn from your mistakes but it's like bigger than that like I think you really do learn from like your rock bottoms and like Mm -hmm. if if something failing to you means that it 
matters less or like has less value then maybe that's something about how you think about like art making as like a way to validate something else because and that was something that I had to learn I think I had to learn like I had heard the advice by the incomparable uh Angelica Ross uh she was giving a speech at Fordham University in the Bronx and I crashed Fordham as an ex-student I was like well let me just tell the security guards that I'm here for this event and that I used to be a, a member of this club which I was but I also knew that when I got there like all the people in the club were like way younger than me so they didn't know who I was by then but I was like girl I'm still I'm still like you know they were like oh so you're like an alumni I was like yeah I mean like an alumni I definitely dropped out of school <laughs> they were like that's that's close enough and I was like work um so I was sitting there and I'm listening to Angelica Ross talk to us and um for context Asili which is not me just shouting out Asili excuse me for context the club that um was hosting this speech speaker um uh, event was the black like students uh union um on campus so i'm watching angelica ross give this speech to a room full of black and brown kids and you know and like some white kids <laughs> in the club <laughs> and she's basically just being like create bad art like the thing is like privileged white film students living off of their father's money or their mother's legacy in the entertainment industry are gonna make bad art to the day that they die you know what i mean like they can make bad art and it can be bad art like we all know i mean especially if you're an actor and have ever been in them the the cliche of student film uh film students and they're like terrible student films and it's just it's a cliche for a reason because the people who are typically empowered to pursue these careers and and do so in higher education are typically the ones with nothing to lose so they get to make the shittiest art and in the speech and that's not what Angelica Ross said I'm paraphrasing but basically she was just like if they get to make shitty art then you get to make shitty art like do not not make art because you think it needs to be perfect and that is a specific uh, pressure that queer people, that black people, that people of color, that women, that like people making art who are from marginalized groups feel because we don't get to be celebrated if our work isn't exceptional. If we're not the Issa Rae or the um, or the Quinta, like is our art worthy if it's not exceptional? And like the point is that we should have mediocre and terrible and art that lets us learn and grow and make better art and and, and we get to do that um if we allow ourselves to kind of break free from the pressures of like representing all the time that all that to say we haven't even got into what happens when a project fails and so we will dive right in right after the break Um, May, what was the, do you remember the first time you were, like, disappointed by a piece of art? Like, whether that be, like, a performance you gave or, like, the process of making something or, like, the the final product or, like, the reaction it got? Like, 
Do you remember what that um, was? Uh, I wish you had told me this before so I could think of something. I mean, I already have something in mind. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> All right, cryptic. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Well, you asked Wait, me the first time. Here. The first okay. time I've been disappointed with a piece. You know what? To be honest, and this is not to be philosophical, the times that I have been disappointed with a piece were the times that I haven't put them out, or they never like, like I never completed them, or what have you. Like any any piece that I that never got to see its completion. Yeah, I think there is nothing like sadder about making art than like not being able to see a project Mm -hmm. in its fullness. And I think that's probably what I would say is like Mm -hmm. a failure to me. Like if a project isn't as Mm -hmm. full as it can be, whether that's like, oh, like the audience never ended up seeing it. And so all this work kind of never like had this like release or like, People did end up seeing it, but, like, not in the way that it was supposed to originally be seen. I think, for me, that's when I'm like, oh, this is really disappointing. Uh, And that's probably what I would equate to, like, some sort of failure. And for me, like, I take personal failures in performance and in art making really seriously. Like, unfortunately, like, they really affect me deeply. I think my reaction to, like, the first time I was ever really disappointed um uh, like with the process of art making was well i'll just say that like i ended up like stepping away from it and like i think the next time that something like on that scale happened um i also like took a, a huge step away from art making in general um because like you know the first time i ever Hold on. Let me start over. Okay. The first time it ever happened, I definitely took a little... Okay, the first time it ever... The first time it ever happened, I remember, like, I ended up taking a hiatus from uh, Mm -hmm. theater. And then, like, when it happened the first time in film, I remember taking a huge hiatus from from film and I thought I would never like go back to film because I was like oh like I tried to do this thing and I tried to do it on my own and I didn't really know what I was doing and so like even though I had a finished product at the end of it it was one that I didn't really like um at all like I didn't even like watching it let alone like other people watching it and so after that I took a really long hiatus from like creating anything in film ever again and like even editing for a while like I took a long hiatus from that and I think that's what typically happens is I I take it really hard when I fail and then like I'll stop doing whatever that thing is for a long time because I'm just like really messed up with like how much effort it takes to get something done and then like if it fails it's like oh all the money I actually did not have to spend on this and all the time I could have been spending on like moving forward in my career or whatever like um yeah I just get really frustrated how do you personally like handle uh reacting to like a project failing I don't even know I don't even know if I know 
how to handle that, uh, let alone any other sort of like big conflict in my life. But that's another story. Um, I think that's, you know what? I'm thinking about the time that I put up a, a, a play that I wrote. Um, and that was the first play I'd ever written and put up. And I was actually, everybody who was there that night, like, celebrated me and they were really excited about it. Um, and I had made peace with the fact that it was in the status that it was. Um, and, you know, it was low budget and all this stuff. So it, it didn't really see, it didn't really turn out uh, to be the vision that I had hoped for. Um, looking back on it now, like, I dropped out of that writer's group mostly because I I knew that I needed um a sort of a different setting for me to write so it wasn't so much the play itself that made me be like uh I gotta stop writing but but I think it also it also was that too like I think I was like wow this this was a lot of work and a lot of mental effort and a lot of like uh you know working against my own imposter syndrome etc cetera, etc cetera, only to like not feel as fulfilled as I was hoping to feel and so yeah so I think my my habit has been to step away and um yeah to just step away from it for a while uh, recently though I've I've um been learning to like take take the void and like the void of like not working on something or not having uh, a, an outlet to work on and like using that to make space for something new so like you know mm. now I think for, I would say for the past year like I've been working on just exploring different outlets in general um, you know like would you say that's your biggest oh sorry would you say that that's your biggest takeaway from like that experience that you had yeah I think like to like to take the time to like explore other things you mean yeah I think I'm still <clears throat> learning because I think the other part of it is like my confidence truly took a hit and I'm still learning to deal with that mm -hmm. But simultaneously, right? Like both and I, I it's a, it's like a little bit playful, right? It's a little bit like how kids, like when they're done playing with one thing, they like jump to the next thing. It's a little bit, it's almost like that kind of practice of like, you know what, you did this and you're done with it for now. Like go find something else to do um, and find joy in that somewhere. Yeah, I think what i have learned recently and i and it also like is something i've talked about and like it sparked even like the idea for a video that i put up on instagram that did fairly well at the time at least for me especially because i like am not consistent at all on social media um is that um dead ends are typically redirections and like even though that sounds very like um toxically positive i do believe that even if but i also believe it and i and i feel like i've talked about this earlier but like i do believe in mourning um things before we like learn from them or take anything away from them because i think they deserve like their own moment including like failure um 
But I do think that, like, fail, like, a project failing is, like, the perfect time to reevaluate and try things differently. And I think, for me, I think that goes back to what I was saying about, like, it having value and, like, it needing to be a failure. Because I think if I don't think of it as, like, something that's, like, signed and sealed, like, and, like, over and definitely was a failure, then, like, it's hard for me to actually mourn, like, oh, this thing, even if it's only this iteration of a thing, um, is, is, is done, and it, and it didn't go well, and, like, what did I learn from it, but also let me mourn what I wanted it to be, and what I wanted to feel, and what I wanted it to, um, look like, and I think it, this goes back to, like, when people don't like to call their work a failure, I think this goes back to the whole ego thing, because, like, you were saying, like, when you when you were saying that your confidence took a hit, I think when you're making art, it's really hard to unmarry your ego from, like, whatever ends up happening um, in the process, and I think a lot of people don't end up, ever end up, like, getting there. I think a lot of the times what stands in people's way especially like if something is failing or not going according to plan or if there is a need for a pivot I think it's all about ego right like it's like oh I don't I don't want other people to think I can't do this thing or that I'm not capable of doing this thing and it's like well we all have our bad I think most artists have their if not bad then like less successful or less um, impactful projects and it's totally fine to like let yourself take a moment and like do something else and reprioritize. But I think you really have to like be willing to like be honest with yourself. And I think that's, you know, that's, that, that's the kryptonite to most people's ego because it's like in order to admit that like as an artist, something that you did wasn't that great. Like, I think you really have to be sure that you are a great artist or that you that your identity as an artist also maybe isn't as central as it as it might seem like it needs to be like yeah I am an artist but like I'm also I'm a person first who like does art and like my art doesn't define who I am sort of like the movie soul about like the difference between purpose and passion it's like this is my passion, but it isn't my purpose because my purpose is bigger than the things that I do or accomplish or don't accomplish. Um, and like, yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway, I guess, in the long, the longest way. Um, but do you remember what your next experience was like after um, you put on this play and it didn't end up uh, being exactly what you wanted it to be? So then you ended up realizing that like, oh, I need to change my environment a little bit. Like what was... What was next for you after that? Um, creatively speaking, I, well, I, oh my God. So that happened right, like a few months before, like the summer before shutdown. Um, and so, you know, that fall, I kind of just like did not write or do anything like that. And then the world turned upside down. And then I definitely like didn't do any kind of, writing or any kind of anything just because the world is falling apart part and a fart i love that um and it still is <laughs> a fart. Um, but then came this beautiful opportunity 
to um, write a script for a film, a short film. Uh, maybe you can speak to that a little. Um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up because I did talk about how my first, the first short film I worked on, that you were also mm-hmm. a part of that process. I was just so like optimistic and like, oh, like we can do this on our own, <laughs> like without any. And like looking back, I mean, like we definitely can, and I think it was a good. It now that I've made peace with it like not necessarily going off the way I wanted it to. I think I can look back and be like, oh, like this was uh this was a reminder that like you can create something even if you feel like you don't have enough to create something. Um you just have to adjust your uh your uh expectations. You just have to adjust your expectations. Um but after that then there was another film project that is the one that you were talking about where you got to come on and write on it. And I was for the first time executive producing while also being in it. And I think for all intensive purposes, and I mean this in a one, in a take it however you want. I'm just talking from my experience, but two in like a completely non shady way, that project failed really hard and I think it had to do with a lot of factors most of which I would argue was out of my personal control and I think that's another thing I learned Mm -hmm. and am still learning because it's really hard for me to collaborate with other people because then I have to like rely on other people Mm -hmm. to get something done and win or lose I kind of have always relied on my own ability mm-hmm. to create something, whether or not it's bad or cringy or whatever, like as long as I can get it done, um, you know, that was a success to me. And so it was my first time also working with so many different people and collaborating. And I think no one from that process can pretend like like our project didn't fail. Like I would be really shocked if anyone had walked away from that experience being like, yeah, that wasn't a disaster. Cause it was, and like, that's fine. It definitely t- took some time to mourn and to process and to sit with, but like, it is fine that it failed. I think it doesn't make the, dis- the, it doesn't make the initial passion and the passion I still have for the project and the characters and the story any less, just because the first attempt wasn't great because what it also reminded me was that like sometimes projects go through multiple waves of like drafts and and of attempts to put it up and like a great example is like the in the heights movie came out in 2021 summer of 2021 that movie based on a musical that was popular in 2008 that had been trying to be made a movie over and over again and finally that movie exists but like that took over a decade of like trying to get the movie made at all let alone making the musical and it making it to broadway and like that took a very long time and that's why people spend their entire lives on passion projects because it takes a lot of failure to make something a, a big success and like um, and I think, you know, that's what people mean when there's like, oh, a lot of rejection in like pursuing your creative goals. It's like, 
yes, there's a lot of external rejection, but there's going to be a lot of, mm-hmm. like, failure. And, like, that is a big part of, like, the rejection in general. Like, people can't accept an idea that doesn't mm-hmm. succeed. And so if your project fails, that's another rejection you have to deal with. And that's more of a rejection of, of self, like, rejecting that the outcome wasn't exactly what you wanted it to be. Um, and so I say all of that to say... Um, I think about that project a lot because it means a lot to me still to this day, even after everything that happened. And I had, and I think you can speak to this because I think we processed it in different times as processing isn't linear. And so I remember like super early on after its initial like erupted failure, like I remember being like, I want this project to come back. And, and you know, you may not have <laughs> felt the same immediately after. So we could, you could talk a little bit about, like, your feelings in reaction to, like, what happened when something that we poured a lot of passion in uh, yeah. didn't end up working out. And, like, your reaction to not necessarily revive yeah. it immediately. I think that I glossed over that sort of... Uh, interim period when I wasn't creating which we see the we see the like inspirational quotes on Instagram all the time that like just because you're not creating like doesn't mean you're not an artist and like you need those like quiet times and I and I think that was a great example of where I really truly needed that quiet time because in that space this is again between like putting up a play and like being asked to be on this short film I needed to learn like my why, like my why I did it. Um, and, you know, just to be transparent, like I, I I really had to like come to terms with the fact that a lot of what I did was for external validation. Um, and I needed to like remove that. I mean, there's always gonna be a little bit of external validation, but like I needed to be, to decenter that. So once I like, stopped sort of you know once I knew I was like I'm just not gonna make anything like once I decided like I'm not making anything with the intent of it being like praised and like whatever when I was asked to do the script um I was like okay this is my opportunity to try a different medium and also to like just love my just love my work and do it because like I want to do it and and to and to do it for the sake of making it like, and maybe maybe that's why, like, I sort of was able to, like, surf the waves of this storm of a project. Because the whole time I was just like, I wrote my script and that's all I told, like, I that's all I wanted to do was just to make sure it was written and, like, um, cre- you know, like, produced. Um, so there was... Mm-hmm. Would you go back, like, now that we're looking at it... Uh from like an after perspective would you go back and change anything about the art that you've contributed to the project or uh, you know or the process and and why or or why not would you um well specifically speaking to what i wrote i no like i wouldn't change that like i think i'm i'm happy with what we've what we have so far and, and for the sort of, like, limits we set for ourselves, like, the boundaries we set for ourselves, like, I, I like the what I came up with. Um, 
I think I think about like what would I do differently and what would I change. I think I I wish I had spoken up more. <laughs> like I wish I had um, I overstepped yeah. more. Like when a lot of times when I was like I don't want to overstep, I I should have overstepped <laughs> and I should have like just said more. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I think a lot of. I think sometimes, like, the regrets I have is not, like, fighting for the film that Mm -hmm. I knew it could have been. Um, And I knew at the time what was wrong. And, I like, that's not even the point. But, like, the point really is the whole, like, speaking up Mm -hmm. and intuition thing. It's, like, there were times where I, like, in my gut was, like, hmm, this one thing is weird. But I'm not, like... I'm going to, like, let go and, like... And that was another thing that's something about mm-hmm. learning how to be collaborative, too, that, like, the trusting, like, other people have your your back and your best interests. Um, and I... But I don't think I would go back and change anything. And I mean that in... I mean that in a way of, like, when I said, like, I think when projects fail, they should just be failures in your head. You should mourn them, learn from them, and move on. Like that was part of it like just making peace with like nothing there's nothing i could mm-hmm. do differently to change the outcome of this project so i have to just like accept yeah. that it failed and i can learn from it and i can move on from it and we can re- revamp this project and these characters in a different iteration but like knowing that that inter- iteration story mm-hmm. is over and i don't have to like put any more energy into like what would have made it better or work um work out if i know that like it's sort of metaphorical death Mm -hmm. isn't in vain because i have honored it and like i'm allowing Mm -hmm. it to be what it was and then move on from it um and so i know yeah i agree i think we did we did yeah no and just to go back to like your whole point of like um how i processed it and like not wanting to um revamp it right away it it, it was just sort of like that same cycle again of like, this did not turn out how I wanted or how I expected. And so I really need to dis- distance myself from it. Um, and it wasn't so much of an ego thing, I think, at that point. Like, I didn't I didn't feel like a personal failure. Um, I just knew I was like, like, it, it was truly like a mourning. Like, it was like, I have to just be sad about this yeah. and like... Um, <laughs> maybe like a little bit of superstition and, and like feeling like oh, maybe the script is cursed like I can't I, I couldn't possibly work with this material again um, but yeah so with with the mm. space and like just, just letting myself kind of let it let it sink in that like okay we, we tried so hard and got so far um but but then once I, like, had enough space and enough, like, moment to, like, breathe, I was like, oh, of course, this could be so many things in the future. Like, let's let's hold on to it a little longer. Yeah, no, I, I 100% understand that. And I, and I, I, I would say, like, I um, generally, like, really agree with, with that sentiment of, like, I don't even think... Yeah, I don't think it was like, oh, I feel like I failed. But I was very aware that, like, it was a very Mm -hmm. public failure. And that, like, this wasn't, like, something that failed before people got to know it was happening. This was something that, like, was so Mm -hmm. in the quote-unquote public eye. Like, um, 
to the point where like it it was like being um advertised on certain people's like mm-hmm. bigger platforms and like there were all these eyes on it and like people were like emotionally invested in whether or not this thing was going to like happen and so i think that was the pressure i felt of like what is a showman what is a showman 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 mm-hmm. whatever what is a showman if mm-hmm. there is no show like what if what is an artist if they have nothing to show for it um and so that was hard but it didn't feel like a personal failure i just felt really frustrated and i am glad that we waited a long time because i don't feel that frustration anymore i feel more determined and passionate about the characters in the story and how can we, we can elevate and like improve um and i think that goes back to the whole like things fail for a reason Mm -hmm. or so or whatever but like when things fail like you get to learn from them and you get to like make your project stronger and i think that's where i'm at now versus like not letting it sink because i was too stubborn to like let it die first um and I think version one of a project needs to die before version two can exist. Because I think then it becomes really confusing. Um, but anyway, uh, speaking of the future, what is one thing that you hope uh, you hold on to as you continue your creative journey? Whether that be with the new iteration of this project that I'm sure will exist or other projects that you work on. What is something that I hold on to for the future? Yeah, like, what is something that you want to hold on to um, for the hope of your future creatively? Um, I, I'll say this because I keep thinking about it. Um, earlier, I said like the like the things that I like the projects that I I feel like disappointed in are the ones that like never and like the ones that literally never got to see the light of day, whether because I I made them and didn't want to put them out or because I never finished them. Um, and so I think I, I have to learn from that feeling. And, and I think I have to, um, I think I have to like kind of let that feeling like be a, a like the, the blessing slash curse that lives with me at, when I continue. Cause I, I don't want to feel it anymore. Like I don't want to feel like uh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had completed it, even if I knew it wasn't going to be that great, or even if I knew it wasn't going to be that good, or or maybe it would have. And I'm just being, you know, a defeatist. But yeah, I think like my hope now is like I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to. Um, if something can be created, and if if there's something I can make, whatever that is, whatever medium, whatever, if there's something I can make. Um, and it can be birthed, if you will. Um, so like, so be it. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in the way of that. Maybe this is something that will sound like terrible with the context that this is something I said the first time (laughs) we did the project that failed, but... I do believe in simplifying mm-hmm. to meet mm-hmm. your reality. And so if I can create a version of something and if I have an idea and I can create a version of it that is ultra simple mm-hmm. and well done and not over 
like exert my expectations beyond my means and beyond my uh, capabilities and my resources, even though it is mm-hmm. frustrating to have ideas bigger than your capabilities. If I can just like sim- tell simple stories, put together simple photo shoots or simple projects that I can do really well using my creative skills, then that is like what I hope to uh, be able to accomplish moving forward with all the things that I've learned from either overexerting or not believing in those skills or not like defending those skills or standing up for those skills. Um, because I think myself, I think you, I think many people we know um, are extremely capable artists. And I think that it's just a matter of like, yes, it sucks not to be. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Not to be like, oh yeah, like it sucks, like projects are going to fail and things aren't going to look the way that they look in your head and that sucks, but it's inevitable. But like, honestly, making peace with my poverty and being a poor artist has helped me a lot lately because it's like, yeah, it is going to suck that I have literally no money to make art, but that doesn't mean that like making art is impossible for me or making art that I'm proud of is impossible just because it doesn't look like the way it looks in my head. I can simplify a vision and execute it super well so that when I do have the access to certain things I know how to execute my visions versus I only know how to um do things one way like I know how to pivot I know how to get creative I know how to like find ways to like get to the core of the story like you were saying the core of the 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 art making versus like it needs to look and feel and sound exactly the way that I um, need it to, to be a success. So I think to summarize that, I think where I'm at specifically is like, as long as the story at its core or the themes of it, or the, um, you know, as long as the core sort of purpose for creating the art piece is intact and trans and um like as long as that message is intact and able to be received by people whatever whatever like scope that is i think that that for me is a success in art making and it's what i'm hoping to move toward and away from like being married to the outcome i don't know i guess that is still outcome based but it's less about like whether or not like a piece of art goes the way i i guess what i'm saying is like i'm landing in a place where that's more focused on like how does this piece of art inform my overall journey as an artist and does it live up to like the um the core beliefs that i want it to um and the core message that i'm trying to represent versus like is this good art and like did i do this the Mm -hmm. best that i could quote unquote where do you think that you're landing um as we as we wrap up uh moving forward into into new ventures I am still 
I'm still trying to figure out what I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing, <laughs> what I'm doing and what I want to do. <laughs> but I just know that I want to do <laughs> like I just I just like I'm I have like there's just there's a there's like a warehouse of like ideas <laughs> where my like dreams and ideas go to die <laughs> or go to like hibernate and <laughs> like oh yeah. a la Elena on like season six, you know, just like asleep for a very long time. <laughs> not this. Not a not a vampire diaries reference at the end of the episode. <laughs> we went through with such peace. Come on, vampire di- such peak, chaos. peak TV. <laughs> peak television. <laughs> peak art doesn't have to be good to be impactful. <laughs> no, it's truly like I just, I, I'm shutting down the warehouse, you know, like I just, I need to, um, whatever, Mm. whatever wants to get done is going to get done and be put out. Um, and so I think that's beautiful because I think as artists, we could all move toward doing more, uh, versus talking Mm -hmm. about doing as much as we do, because I think we can get so caught up in like what our overarching passion project is or what's next or or what we want to like accomplish or create instead of just like creating and letting that mm-hmm. speak for itself and be its own process um with that being said thank you so much may for coming on this journey with me i feel like we definitely discovered a lot about what we think about art making and giving it a second chance and not necessarily giving up after failure um if there's anything you want to say before we wrap up um you've heard it before make bad art we want to see the bad art i truly want to see i i really stand by it i love the process i think way more than the finished product um sometimes most of the times we i want to see things in process i want to see things show us the things yeah, I think that's another thing. Don't be afraid to, like, show your work, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like, if an art piece isn't finished and your friend wants to see it, there is no pressure. Like, if I'm... And look, you, there's no pressure to share anything you don't want to, obviously. That's another thing. This wasn't this episode, but, you know, artists have every right to keep their art mm-hmm. private if they want to. But if someone is asking to read your writing or see your painting, they're not asking... It, it, I, if they're your friend, I mean, specifically, your friends who want to support you don't want to support you because they think you're the most brilliant piece of art artist that has walked this earth. Now, I seem to with the artists in my life. But my point is, that's not why they're supporting you. They're supporting you because they know you they care that they, they know you care about this thing and that you're passionate about it. And so just let people support your passions without feeling like you need to be ready for people mm-hmm. to see your passion. Because um, I think people are more willing to invest in you when they know like what you're up to and what you're creating and what you're doing um and your journey uh people are are more willing to support your journey um than you think you don't have to be this like accomplished thing to like be valid in other people's eyes and and in turn, you don't have to do that to be valid in your own eyes. You are an artist because you make art, not because you get paid to do so or that you have some sort of notoriety for it. And I think when you think of it that way, there's less pressure to create good art because you're not doing it to get anywhere. You're doing it to do it. And that will eventually get you somewhere 
if you keep doing it because consistency is key as we all know um <laughs> and as kelly javier on tiktok will not shut up about um consistency is key and things of that nature <laughs> um <laughs> but until then we will consistently make new episodes uh Thank you so much for listening. Uh, a certain birthday is coming up. So if you know when that is, we will celebrate together. Uh, and until Venmo. then, this has been The Holding Space. Thank you for, I mean, you know, if y'all want to Venmo, <laughs> you know what, anyway. <laughs> this has been The Holding Space. Bye, Bye y'all. Bye.